one time. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat. Welcome to The Time Is Now. I am your host, Michael Stafford. It is Tuesday, January the 17th. Uh, Let's get it. What a first round of the NFL playoffs, man. What a first round of the NFL playoffs. It was fantastic. What are the Lakers going to do? But more actually, what's LeBron James going to do? My goodness. But first, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Boy, oh boy, Tom Brady, go home and get you a new wife, man. You should have never left Giselle Bunger for this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo! Hey, we'll have a good show this week, man. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the other side. Them Cowboys did a number on them boys today. We got to start right here on the Cowboys. The Cowboys just dominated, dominated the, the Buccaneers. It was 31 to 14, and it really wasn't that close. It really wasn't that close. When you look at everything, the way this game came down, it broke down. It, it was just, it was a master class on what you need to do to beat a team and putting in the old man out to pass or Tom Brady. What was that? You know what? To give it more context, we really got to go back to this past week um, or so leading up to the game. When you watch first take, yeah, I'm stealing some of the stuff from first take because the the, the most what, what keeps the Cowboys relevant in media has been Stephen A. He hates them so much. It's like he's a love-hate relationship, and he just adds more father to it. Father to it. Let's go ahead and listen to what Stephen A. was saying leading up to this game. Right into our hands. They, as Marcus Spears would say, they can't shut up. They cannot shut up. They can't just shut up, hunker down, and ball. They always got to give you something for headline material. We ready? Oh, we believe in Dak. Dak gonna show up. Oh, this is what they do. It's what they do. They play right into it. They play right into it. Have you heard? Listen, Tom Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl champion. Tom Brady a seven-time Super Bowl champion who's walking into retirement with a $375 million contract in television waiting for him. Have you heard anything from Tom Brady this week? Because I can't, I, I can't find the quote. If he said something, I haven't seen it. The playoffs are about to begin. You would think that they would sit up there and go like this. Let me emulate that dude. Let me see what he's doing. You said to make sure I mirror that because that might work for me. It can't be the Cowboys. It's not who they are. Chirp, 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 chirp. And they looking at Michael You ain't seen that these last couple of weeks, have you? Because they're nervous. Because they know what's coming. All right, so speaking on Tom Brady, this man threw 66 times. 66. They said he's never lost to the Cowboys, 7-0. and 
mind you, a lot of that came at the hands playing for the Patriots, playing them. Think they only played him seven times, and he's, he's been in the league for over twenty years. So it's it, that's not really a good, you know, litmus litmus test or whatever you want to call it. But through the ball, sixty six times, thirty five for sixty six, three hundred fifty one yards, two touchdowns came late, uh, with one int which came early. They were in the red zone trying to score early on in the game. I believe that was in the first quarter as they were down six to nothing. We'll talk about why they were down six to nothing in a little bit because uh, Dallas damn sure was getting those touchdowns. Um, as we continue to go with that, Tom Brady just wasn't that great. And their running game was not that good either. Um, the play calling was just bad. It's not like they were down by that much to be running it that much. And for the Dallas not to have a good run defense, uh, what they were saying so far this season, I know the run game has not been in existence for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I feel like they should have tried to find a way to make it so. Even do some screen passes. It, it, you know what? Anything you do. We all could play a, a quarterback coach or, or, or Monday morning quarterback or whatever you want to call it, um, but this was bad. And this was more emulent of how the Cowboys looked many times this season and how Tampa Bay has looked so porous many times this season. A lot of people were riding on the fact that Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And they're like, oh, the last game of the season, the game they had to win, how great they looked, how great they were with um, with Mike Evans. And, and I had Mike Evans on my team, and I luckily I was able to get through, win the championship, while he put up as many touchdowns in one game as he put up all season. So he had a total of six touchdowns, three of them in that last game. I told everyone, that's an anomaly. And even though I felt like Tampa Bay can win, and there's a lot of reasons why, as Stephen A. was stating, they can win, I still didn't believe that they would win, simply because many people were writing them off. Many people were writing off the Dallas Cowboys. And because of that, I felt like that was going to bring up a lot of, lot of uh, let's just say, contentiousness. And then being the earlier on in the day, before the game, Stephen A. had this conversation. Let me see if I can find this clip. Let me see if I can find it. Sick and tired. I got it. I'm sick and tired of him lying. That is not why I can't stand Cowboy fans. That's not the one. I'm going to save that one for later. It is this one. He was talking to uh, Dak Prescott's he father. He him in L.A. yesterday. He said, it's a little bit chilly here. <laughs> But I might as well stay because I don't know if I'm ready to take the heat that's waiting for me in Tampa Bay. And then what happened is he got here and these Cowboy fans standing behind him said, yo, we got your back. We got your back. Even the pop showed up. We got your back. Here's the problem. None of them can play anymore. This Hall of Famer can't play for him no more. The Pops, they can't play for them. You can't run from them, Mr. Elliott. You can't pass for Prescott, Mr. Prescott. You can't do it. You can't do it. And Michael Irvin want to stand up, so allow me to do the same. Let me tell y'all something. Let me tell you something right now. Dak Prescott is throwing two interceptions tonight. C.D. Lane. Cannot do it alone. I'm going to go a step further. I even think Tom Brady, just like he did, just like he did, no disrespect, when he sat up there, actually, it is respect because he did it for y'all. When he sat up there and exposed Tyran Matthew, the goal to, the, whole, the, the honey badger, badger, in the Super Bowl, that's what he's going to do to Trayvon Diggs tonight. 
And here's what the problem is. It's not going to be continuous. It's going to be a thriller. But it's, and the Dallas Cowboys are actually going to have a lead. But they're going to get the ball back to Tom Brady with too much time left. It's going to be 29-24 with under two minutes left. And Tom Brady is going to be the surgeon that he is dissecting America's team, showing the world the fraudulence of this franchise. <laughs> and in the end, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will prevail 31-29 at Raymond Stadium. It is over. And that is that. And that is that. And that is that. And that's exactly the opposite of what happened. Man, Dak Prescott put on a show. 25 for 33, only threw the ball 33 times, missing eight targets, and some of those were drops. Um, he had 305 yards, four tubs on those boys. Zero interception. Zero interception. What happened to the two, Stephen A? And I get where you were coming from, but you gave them so much, as people would say, bulletin board material that they had no choice but to win. Backs against the wall. Of course, they're going to win the game. Pollard did decent. Uh, Dak Prescott four, threw for four touchdowns and ran for one. Five total touchdowns. I think it was like the fifth time that's ever happened or something like that. The stat somewhere. At the end of the day, he balled out. Dalton Schultz, who is he? Who is Dalton Schultz? I mean, damn. This dude had 95 yards and two and two tubs. He had eight targets. Caught seven of them bad boys. Come on, man. He says he's going to need some help. He has some help. He went off. He went off. They went. Like I said earlier, first quarter, got a touchdown early. What you call it? Tom Brady tried to capitalize, got all the way to the red zone, threw the ball away. First time he's done that in the playoffs, I believe, in the red zone, or at least all season. And then they go again, two more touchdowns in a second. Brett Maher misses all those two. So they're 18 nothing. By that point, Dak is going off. He is livid. The fact that this dude continues to miss and the thing is, he's not just missing them. He's missing them horribly. Something's not right. Nope. In the in the playoffs? The playoffs? In the playoffs, he is missing these kicks. Luckily, the defense is doing their job and keeping Tom Brady and they're, they're, Tom Brady and them just keep throwing the ball. That's my check. These guys are one of the best pass rushers in the league. Why are they throwing the ball so much? So now they love 18-0 at the half. And Tom Brady, like, you, you still felt because they were missing those extra points. You felt as if Stephen A. may be right because they're these going to come back to haunt them. Something that's never really happened is happening right now, but something's going on with their kicker. Then in the third quarter, after after um, the Tampa Bay finally scores, can't went for two, didn't get it. You would think that Dallas is like, you know, we're gonna start going for two. Where everything else was working, they get another touchdown. Brett Maher misses it again. Something's not right with Brad Maher. I'm going to have someone else say it better Well, the kid Gowie came in here and said something about it. All right, Brett. Come on now. Huh? Come on. Hey, Brett, who you think you fooling, bro? How much you have on this game? How much you put in your parlay? What, what, what you pick? The under on field goals? Because ain't no damn way you came in this joint and set a record for the most missed PATs in the playoff game. You missed four PATs, bro. Four. Like, you didn't miss on more kicks than the sneakers at, bro. And that's hard to do. Like, you mean to tell me a guy that some people feel like was snubbed for the Pro Bowl came into the playoffs and now he can't make a PAT? Come on now. Hey, hey, Calvin, really put you up to this? How much y'all have riding on this game, bro? 
Listen, all I'm saying is however much you made, I hope it was worth it. Because your ass finna be on Indeed.com on that flight back home. You ain't gonna have no job when you get back. The AT&T Stadium, boy, your ass gonna have a job at the real AT&T. You, you done with the kicking, bro. It's a done deal. At this point, the Cowboys would have been better off with Joe Swanson as their kicker. And that's terrible. Now, if y'all didn't get the Joe Swanson line, Joe Swanson was the handicap handicap from the waist down police officer from Family Guy. So that's the joke on that one. So in the fourth quarter, while they're up, what were they up by at the time? I forgot. They were like 18, 20, 24, or, or eight, yeah, 24 to 6. It's fourth and about, I think, like fourth and four, fourth and six in the fourth quarter. You have a sizable lead on these guys. And you're like, you know what? Damn that. Damn that. They, they, they said, we instead of, instead of kicking the field goal, Maher coming onto the field like, okay, I got it this time, guys. Like, bro, you missed a PAT. We're going to go for it. They went ahead and went for it on fourth down and like fourth and four, fourth and six, don't matter, and got the touchdown. Incredible. Putting a whooping on them boys, 31 to 14. Maybe sending um, maybe sending uh, Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm sorry, not Aaron Rodgers. Sending Tom Brady on his way. Tom Brady may be done. He may be done in the league. And this is what the guys have to say to him. Stephen A, watch your mouth. You tell me that's not bulletin board material? That's bulletin board material. And I'm going to go back to the clip. And Stephen A, I want to know how he's going to sound tomorrow morning. Oh, or, I'm sorry, in the morning. I wonder how Stephen A is going to sound this morning after this kind of a feat. Because he hates I'm them. I'm sick and tired of him lying. That is not why I can't stand Cowboy fans. I can't stand y'all because it's not because y'all show up. It's because y'all show up and deny the truth. When you lose, you won't accept it. When you lose, you act like you won. When you lose and you are relevant and you don't matter, you act like you matter. That's why I can't stand y'all disgusting, nauseated selves. And that's why you're going down today. Make no mistake about it. Okay. That's why. All right, so Michael, Michael, you weren't listening to my little read earlier because you were all you were all hyped up. I... Stephen A, you were wrong, and you are the reason why the Cowboys are moving on. Now, we have other games to cover. On Saturday, we had the Niners versus the Seahawks. That was literally the worst game. Not only did we know they're going to win, they beat, the, they beat them down 41-23. Nothing to talk about there. Now, the one we need to talk about on Saturday, Chargers versus the Jaguars. The Chargers were up. 27 to nothing. 27 to nothing. Trevor Lawrence had like four interceptions in the first half. This game is over. It was over early. Chargers were scoring early easily. Hmm. One of the biggest comebacks, if not the biggest comeback in playoff history. Edging them out. 31 to 30. Now, someone got to say that this might be this brother's job for the Chargers. Should have never had him to begin with because he hasn't shown they to, to be able to do anything on this level. And we've always noticed in the last two seasons making questionable call after questionable call to why you have all your starters out. Nick Bosa and, and Mike Williams, these guys are known to be injury prone. They were out half of the year, which you can say probably that's why your record is what it was because your team is excellent. You guys are 10 and 7. We could easily say you're probably 12 and 5 if you had your team healthy. But then now you go into the postseason with your with your your in your red zone threat and Mike Williams out. And that's exactly what you needed because late in the game, the Jaguars was putting on you. 
and you're only able to put up another three points after being up 27 nothing into the um, late into the second half. And the Jaguars go ahead and go on a run, 31 to three run, and beat you, beat you with a late game drive. Etienne getting that run off to the side and getting you in, in, in field goal range, run the clock down and kick it to win. Come on, Jaguars moving in with the upset. Yeah, they're at home, they're division leaders. But that's the upset. Nine and eight versus ten and seven doesn't seem like a big difference. But trust me, it was. Jaguars were hot late, able to steal that spot from Tennessee, who was hot early. Jaguars got that. Trevor Lawrence is ready for you. And the Buffalo Bills, yeah, they beat thirty uh, the, the the Dolphins thirty four to thirty one. But man, it seemed like they could have lost that game. They couldn't put the Dolphins away. And coming out there with Thompson, no Tua. Imagine if Tua's out there, they probably get y'all beat. I don't know, man. Buffalo's not looking like the team we thought. I thought they were a team of destiny after their boy went down. Hamlin went down and coming back. I heard he went to the locker room to encourage his brothers. And it was like it was enough. I feel like they felt good and felt content with their with their brother just being alive. And now instead of it being something that's going to encourage them, it looked like something that just made them humble themselves or, or look at seeing that maybe football is not the all, end all be all. Who knows? We have to see. It's a tell of the thing. We'll see what happens next week. And the Giants beating the Vikings, we all kind of expected that. It's not much of an upset, in my opinion. 31 to 24, we all felt like the Vikings cannot beat playoff teams all season. That was kind of what it came down to. And with the Bengals beating the Ravens 24 to 17, without them having Lamar Jackson as well, you'd have thought the Bengals at home would have beat them down, and he didn't. It was a one-score game late. And it really, the difference of the game was that goal line lunge over that got knocked back as a fumble because it was a dumb play. Should have went down instead of going up. They knocked the ball back. The dude running back for 98 yards. And that's the difference of the game. You tell me a fluke of a, of a situation, something that doesn't happen too often is the reason why you won. So the Bills and the Bengals are looking too encouraging moving forward. So we'll see what happens there. All right. We talked about Dallas. We talked about the games this past week. Let's look into the games moving forward. Um, and we go into the divisional playoff starting this Saturday. The first game, 4.30 um, Eastern time, which is about 1.30 Pacific time, where we are here at the time is now. Jacksonville on the road versus the Chiefs. I can't say it's a gimme. Trevor Lawrence is on the precipice. He's on the way up. He's trying to be the next Pat Mahomes. So if the, if the litmus test is right there in front of you. But I don't feel like they have enough weapons. I think the Chiefs actually have a decent defense. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have problems. If he does anything similar to what he did against the Chargers, if he does half as bad in the first half, Chiefs are not forgiving. They are getting touchdowns off of that. They're not going to get field goals. They're getting touchdowns. So you're going to be in an insurmountable feat. You could easily be down 35-3 in the first half if you play the way you played against the Chargers. I got the Chiefs beating Jacksonville at home. The next game, Eagles versus New York Giants. Great games on Saturday. Um, Giants, actually, because they're a divisional matchup, it's going to be a pretty good game to see if they can overtake the Eagles. Eagles kind of stumbled into the playoffs. We have to see how much has Jalen Hurts recovered from his injuries. If Jalen Hurts is at least 80%, I see the Eagles moving on, but I would not be surprised if the Giants upset the Eagles. That will completely change everything because not that not only do I feel like the Niners are, in my opinion, the favorites, but if the Giants upset the Eagles, they are my overwhelming favorite to not only win that uh, conference, but to actually win it all. So let's see what happens there. Then on Sunday, the first game is going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern, which is about noon Western time. We got Buffalo Bills versus the Bengals. We just talked about those two teams. We don't know where they are right now. It's probably good that they're playing each other. They can figure it out together. 
Buffalo Bills should win. I'm gonna. I would not be surprised if the Bengals beat. To me, it's not even an upset. Beat Buffalo on the road. And then finally, the final matchup: the Cowboys versus the Niners. So much bad blood between these teams throughout the '90s. It was huge throughout the '90s and even some in the '80s. Huge um, stuff going on back in the days when back when Dion played for both teams back to back years. Played for the Niners. Niners won it all. Then the next year played for the Cowboys and they won it all. I believe that was back in like 95, 94. So that period of time from like 93 to 95, it was the Dion Bowl. Right? So hopefully Dion Sanders actually attends that game. I know he's doing a lot with his recruiting, but they're not doing much right now. Go ahead and attend the game and, and play both sides, Dion. Um, I think this will be um, see, this is the thing. If people like Stephen A go back on there and start talking more trash about how the Cowboys aren't going to win. Because the more you do that, you fill in the fire. But the difference is here, Cowboys, you're not facing Tom Brady and a team that limped into the playoffs. You're going against the hottest team in the league. San Francisco's won like 10-11 straight. And yes, it's Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy is damn sure ain't irrelevant no more. I got I got the 49ers winning. I don't think it's going to be that close. They're going to win by at least two scores. So that's what's happening next week going into the playoffs. It's getting close up to the Super Bowl. Um, so once again, I got to wrap that up. I have the San Francisco beating Dallas. I'm sorry. Yes. And then I have, um, and also in the NFC, I have the Eagles beating the Giants. So the Eagles versus San Francisco in the uh, NFC Conference Championship. Then I have the Bengals beating Buffalo. And then I also have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Jaguars. So I have um, Bengals versus Kansas City in another rematch from last season in the AFC Championship. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into some NBA action. You've been listening to The Time Is Now. Are you tired of spending your entire weekend at dealerships only to feel as if you got a raw deal? Don't you hate all the back and forth and haggling for countless hours? Imagine this. While you're at work or having dinner or just enjoying life, the people at Pure Diamond Auto are working a great deal on your behalf. With Pure Diamond Auto, they have a team of former sales and finance managers who know all the tricks of the trade. Call 562-PDA-7888 today for a free consultation. That's 562 7888. What can I say? I love PDA. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. Hey, you already know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show. It's the happy birthday. So let's go. Tyler Hero turns 23 this week. And Jonathan Porter Jr., you know him as Blueface, turns 26. Jake Paul turns 26 this week. And Dylan Brooks turns 27. Somebody stop, man. Jim Carrey turns 61 this week. And Ray J turns 42. You know that's Brandy's brother. Najee Marshall over down there in New Orleans Pelicans. Najee Marshall turns 25 this week. And Steve Harvey turns 66 this week. Yeah! Lil John turns 52 this week. And D-Wade, Dwayne Wade, turns 41. Michelle Obama, forever my first lady, she turns 59 this week. And David Bautista turns 54. Calvin Harris, one of my favorite DJs and producers, Calvin Harris, 
turned 39 this week. And from the Bengals, T. Higgins turned 24. James Earl Jones, Mufasa himself, turns 92 this week. And Natalia Bryant, rest in peace, Kobe and Gigi. Natalia Bryant, she turns 20. Kid Rock turns 52 this week. And Estelle turns 43. R-Truth from the WWE, he turns 51 this week. Mari Povich, who's the baby daddy, Mari? Mari Povich turns 84 this week. JaVel McGee, JaVel McGee turns 35 this week. And Kevin Costner turns 68. Silento, Silento, Silento turns 25 this week. And Joey Badass turns 28. Dolly Parton turns 77 this week. And Buzz Aldrin turns 93. Lil Scrappy turns 39 this week. And Logic, the rapper, Logic turns 33. Nick Foles, quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Nick Foles turns 34 this week. And Sean Wayans of the Wayans Brothers, Sean Wayans turns 52. Hakeem Olajuwon, one of the best centers of all time. Hakeem Olajuwon turns 60 this week. And Paul Rodriguez, comedian Paul Rodriguez turns 68. Peyton Hillis, get better, my brother, ex-running back for the Cleveland Browns, Peyton Hillis turns 37 this week. Stacey Dash turns 56 this week, and Billy Ocean turns 73. DJ Jazzy Jeff turns 58 this week, and Ray Rice over there hitting women. Go ahead, chill out, brother. Ray Rice turns 36 this week. Mariska Hargeting, she's from SVU. Marie Hargeting, Mariska Hargeting, I'm sorry, turns 59 this week, and Drea Michelle turns 38. And finally, my big brother-in-law, Orlando Johnson Sr. turns 47 this week. We have some honorable mentions. In 2021, Miss Betty White passed away. At, she would have been 101 this week. Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Who passed away 2016, would have been 81 this week. Marcus, I don't have any panties on. Miss Eartha Kitt herself, the best cat woman ever, passed away 2008, would have been 96 this week. Mac Miller tragically died of an overdose or fentanyl poison or whatever. Back in 2018, would have been 31 this week. And it's been a long, long time coming, but I know change gonna come. Sam Cooke passed away way back in the day. Would have been 92 this week. But that's all the birthdays we have this week, guys. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to The Time Is Now. Before we get into some NBA actions, one thing I failed to miss or something I just happened to catch, I was sitting to myself like, wait a minute, I ran through all the players and the teams are still playing. The NFC East is still alive in these playoffs, man. That is crazy. The Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys are three... It's four teams left in NFC and three of them from the NFC East. That is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen that before, man. In the divisional playoffs, you have three teams represented left in the playoffs. So it's the Niners versus the NFC East. Wow. They're their only team. They're only there's the only division in all of the playoffs that still has two teams represented still in it. That's ridiculous. My goodness. And people thought that was going to be the AFC West this year. They were sadly mistaken. Lord have mercy. Anywho, we had a lot of hoop uh, yesterday in the NBA MLK Day. I never understood that. It, it, I, this is my little soapbox real quick. 
why on the day where it's about equal rights and, and it's the black holiday in a sense not 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 that it's kwanzaa or 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 what have you or black history month really as we're getting we're approaching that time and i don't want to get started on that but why is the uh, mlk day is the day we want to put a huge slate of games shouldn't that be the day where we just take all the games off maybe the next day come with a huge amount of games but that day is like it's mlk day we you know the the post office has that day off street sweepers have that day off teachers have that day off and i guess that's why you want them to watch it i don't know i don't know i i'm just confused when the league is like 80% black or 75% black, I feel like you should take the day off. Or maybe have all their black players don't play. I think that's even better. I think you should have it where all the European players, um, if you're a, a, a non-African-American player, like if you're a Giannis Antetokounmpo, you can play. Um, even maybe a Joel Embiid, you can play. But like the African-American players don't play. And you have all the Euro players, the, Asia, the, the South American players, Asian players and all the Caucasian players, you know, all 10 of those, <laughs> all 10 of those players. But um, it, I think if you just do that, I think that'll be pretty cool. And you get to see a lot of players who don't really play because as we saw, Sangoon put a stomping on Thomas Bryant. This dude, and everybody was saying, oh, the colonizer, dude, he's Turkish, first of all. But what what is about the Lakers team? Lakers barely squeaked by the worst team in the league, and it says 140 to 132, and it really wasn't that far apart, I should say. During that game, with all the turmoil and Thomas Bryant getting owned by Sangoon, it was ridiculous. He was blocking his shot. He was owning him. You'd have thought Sangoon was Shaq. It was crazy. And then you put William Gabriel out there. Thomas Bryant got in foul trouble. William Gabriel got in foul trouble. Actually, Thomas Bryant really wasn't in foul trouble, but but winning Gabriel, you had to put in there because you needed some length. He got in foul trouble versus Sangoon, so why not put your tallest, longest player out there outside of AD and Damian Jones? You have him on the bench, Coach Ham. You have him on the bench, Coach Ham. But some of your rotation, I knew when you brought Pat Bev back, you'd make the lineup small again. Why? Why do you have to have six foot one uh, Pat Bev out there with six foot two Dennis Schroeder? It makes zero sense. And back when Lonnie Walker comes back, you're gonna have him out there with them as well. So you're gonna have a six foot one, six foot two, and six foot four backcourt. Why? It makes zero sense defensively. And offensively, it makes no sense either because now you have a backcourt of two guards, you're one and two who can't shoot threes consistently. And then Lonnie Walker's gonna have a big closing out on him. He was doing well at first. He did better when he played the two, I would say even the one, because Pat Bev didn't start the season. Remember, Dennis Schroeder and Pat Bev did not start the season. They both started the season hurt. So Lonnie Walker got a lot of the two minutes, and he played very well. Then you start to put him at three, and he struggles. It's really simple basketball. It's not that complicated. You can play position as basketball, but you still got to have, at the end of the day, it's still a tall man's game. That's why you have people like Jokic balling out. You got Luka balling out because Luka's playing six foot eight. He's bigger than all the guys who's guarding him. He can just, he can just see like Magic Johnson, see over the top of the defense and throw it to them or just shoot right over the top of them. Hello. It's like shooting over a chair. That's why KD's so dominant. That's what makes Steph Curry so special because he's small. He's miniature. He's able to get what he wants. Damian Lillard as well makes him so special. John Morant's so athletically gifted, but these guys are anomalies. Steph Curry's the best shooter we've ever seen. Dame is one of the most clutch three-point shooters we've ever seen. And John Morant is an athletic beast. 46-inch vert, blocking shots, scoring at the rim at will, getting all the calls. He doesn't get called for pairing or traveling, so he gets away with murder. 
end of the day, this is a tall man's game. LeBron James is six foot nine, people in a beast. You can't really stop him. Zion Williamson is massive. He's a Mack truck coming down the lane. If you look at all the best players over time, they're all over six foot six. They're just big people. It's a big people's game. So the Lakers going small doesn't make sense to me. And by saying all of that, you got to make some trades happen. You got to make some moves happen. You got to do something. I get that. To try to try to salvage the season as the Lakers are in the basement still. Even with that victory. Even with Phoenix trembling down. Even with the Clippers playing inconsistent basketball. You're still not nixing even the top 10. 13. 13. With LeBron James on your team. Goes to show you LeBron James cannot be the best player on a championship team. Listen to me. He's balling. Putting up great numbers. But his pace of play. He likes to slow it down. Do a lot of iso ball. That's not going to work in today's NBA. It's going to be hard to get your team going off. It's going to be hard to get them easy looks doing that. That's why all your games are close. You need, you need more transition buckets. You should see how the... And the team does not know how to function without him now because of it. They played much better with just AD. But AD is never healthy. When he is healthy, it lasts for about a month and a half and he's hurt on a non-contact play. It's just what it is. We've seen enough of it. The one season he was healthy for majority of the season, mind you, they took almost three months off. So he's able to be healthy for the bubble, which gave him another month and a half, two months of being healthy. That's as long as he can be healthy consistently. So that's most likely why they won in the bubble. Because if there was no bubble, he probably would have been hurt right before the playoffs. He probably missed the first round and they might have squeaked by or lost. That's the facts. You can't even say it's facts because it didn't happen. So that's most, most likely what could have happened. But luckily, there was the bubble. And mind you, it still was probably one of the hardest championships to win because of the circumstances. No home court advantage, no crowd, no nothing. And then you not, a, not you don't even have your routine. You're not with your family. Some of these guys are not with their side chicks, whatever. I still think they smuggled some chicks in there, by the way. I think they did. I really think they had to smuggle. I think Superhead and her cousins was down there, there, giving, doing the Lord's work. Anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know AC's left is listening. He's like, come on, brother. I know, man. You know, some, hey, man, people like it. Anyways, back to these bum Lakers, man. They got to do something. You got to move these players. Uh, Patrick Beverly is 13.5 off the cap. You got to move them. Got to see what you got there. Um, you have to move. Even though Russ is a six man of the year candidate, I feel like you have to move him. I really do. But you only move him if you're really certain you're going to win a championship. Now the thing is this, who are you moving him for? All that cap? I don't know. You got to see. You got to see who's players for that. So you could use a player, a spark book off the bench. Because right now, Russ, the good thing he's done is extended his career. So now he's a six-man on a championship caliber team. I feel like if he finishes the season with the Lakers, he's going to end up in OKC as a free agent. They're going to take him for the cheap, probably for like $20 million or something like that. And he could be a good player to help those young guys come along and make them a playoff team like New Orleans is now a playoff team. Like the Kings are now a playoff team is young talent. You got to have a vet like they have Harrison Barnes for Sacramento. New Orleans got McCullum come up in there. You get a nice savvy vet. 
to shore up the roster with these young guys who can make them a playoff team. And OKC has a lot of picks. And mind you, uh, Chet Holmgren didn't, is not playing this year. So he's going to be virtually a rookie next year. So you got Shea, Chet, and Gritty. And they have Russ come off the bench. Lord have mercy. And so I can see that happening. If they do trade him, I don't know who you trade him for. I don't know who you trade him for. He is playing pretty well with all things respectively. So his value is either shot through the roof or to a point where the Lakers do not want to lose him because at this point, there's no point of doing so. So I don't know. I don't see the trial option for him. I do see moving Nunn and Pat Bev and other pieces to get you some um, either some second round picks or a Cam Reddish type of player, a nice wing that can defend and shoot wide open threes. I can see that happening, making the team longer, not shorter, because that was save Ham from himself with playing Pat Bev and Schroeder too much. He's going to continue to play Schroeder, and Schroeder is not tradable with that crappy contract, and he's not really that good. Nobody wanted him. Ham is like, that's like his son. He saw him since he was a rookie in Atlanta, and he's given him grace. He's finishing games, and he's starting games, and he's not a starter in this league. The fact that you have Dennis Schroeder starting on your team, it's a problem. When Lonnie Walker comes back and Reeves comes back, I want to see less minutes for this dude. But because of Ham, I don't see it happening. And who does he have on the staff that's going to stand up to him and say, hey, man, this nigga can't keep playing like this, man. It's a problem. So because of all that, AD comes back, everything comes back, and they're going to do well. They might push themselves into the playing scenario. They might even push the six to get the sixth seed. It's possible. They're not that far out. But I don't see it. And this is the thing. When they don't win, when they do not win, if they don't, they might not get out the first round. When they, when that happens, you have to blow it up. You gotta send LeBron back home. And people were making fun of me. Now I put, I promoted a clip. I put it on my Twitter, which is the time is now PO one. I put it on my Twitter, stating that. But I said it before the article came out, or before the tweet, or whatever came out. That is rumors to be said that if there will be a trade sending LeBron back home to Cleveland for Evan Moore, Evan Mobley in pieces. Evan Mobley has not been playing up to the standards they wanted him to be. He has not been the player that he's took at a step back this season. And if they're right now, when they traded for Donovan Mitchell, they're in win-now mode. But right now, you can't see them as a top three team in the East. Last season, they were a top, what, top three team or whatever, top four. They were supposed to move a step forward getting Donovan Mitchell. And the fact that Evan Mobley's taking a step back it means that that's not going to work too well. They don't have time for him to figure it out because Boston's not going anywhere. And Brooklyn is not really going anywhere. Well, actually, Brooklyn's pushing all their chips in for this year because Kyrie may not come back next year. So with, with that being the case, the state of things, um, I feel like you have to get LeBron next season and give up as many assets you have to give up. You give up Evan Mobley and some picks and another player to throw in there because of the contract. Evan Mobley doesn't make a lot, but you could get a lot of that roster, fill a lot of that crap up, get that all that out of there. Ke uh, Kevin Love will be off the team. Uh, LeBron, they laughed at me because they, you guys are not listening to what I'm actually saying. I said, let LeBron be the Kevin Love of the team. Now, you hear that and you're like, ooh, LeBron being Kevin Love, that's disrespectful. You're missing the point. But Kevin Love does in that team, he's the, he's the, he, is the, he is the veteran presence, one, He's a spot-up shooter from the corner, two. And he's a big coming off the bench. Now LeBron is that same player, but on steroids. No pun intended. <laughs> LeBron comes in there. He can do all that and facilitate. 
And I will have him start, but I'll have him running my bench as well. So between LeBron and Donovan Mitchell, one of those two guys have to run my bench. And, and you still have Karis LeVert. You might have to add Karis LeVert and Evan Mobley in that deal, to be honest with you. So now with no Karis LeVert, and obviously, you know, Evan Mobley, that opens up that void for LeBron probably to play that four, obviously. But then not to mention now that bench mob is going to need either LeBron or um, or Donovan Mitchell to run that that lineup. And now you have a more balanced team and your team should be number one or two in the East next season. And the Lakers get assets to rebuild for the future. Now, what do you do? AD's value is never going to be higher than this. He's going to approach 30 soon next season. So what do you do? You have to send him back home. Send him to Chicago. Chicago is rebuilt now. This is the thing. I don't feel like they should blow up the team, but there's already been rumors that Zach Levine wants to come back to LA. And he's not going to go play for the Clippers. Clippers have the assets, kind of, but they don't have the necessary assets going to push Chicago over. They're, they're, I'm sorry, they're not willing to give up the assets that's going to push Chicago over the hump. And what people are not realizing when they had Lonzo Ball healthy, they were actually a number one team in the East last season. But since Lonzo Ball has been out, no one's in their rightful position. But if you bring in an Anthony Davis, he's going to shore all that up. And the Lakers, you you, you want to probably take your big, get another big. You don't want to take Vucevic because he's like 33 years old and he's making too much money. Lakers are going to be in rebuild mode. A short rebuild too. Listen to me, follow me. You send AD back, you get Zach Levine in pieces and you want to get a lot of picks. You get another young player and a lot of picks, right? So now you have Zach Levine and Evan Mobley and a bunch of picks coming back. You follow. You might still have a chance of doing, or uh, I don't see a signing trade happening, but Kyrie might want his money, I don't know. But you can get Kyrie for cheap, get him on a one-in-one-year deal because he's going to leave Brooklyn championship or not because of how they did him and how they did not support him he's a very prideful person and he wants to play for the um, purple and gold he rather a position where he has a team in a sense to himself because he will be the leader of that team he will have have either two championships or close to it coming from Brooklyn a guy who has a championship Zach Levine has nothing Evan Mobley has nothing he's even younger these guys are younger than him he will be the he'll be the leader of that team moving forward for the next three to four years Right, and you have all these picks, so Lakers will become contenders in the next two to three years. Keeping the team and Pat the way they are, and then now also too with this rookie head coach, with this rookie head coach, it doesn't help matters. He's not in a position to where he can coach a LeBron-led team, and then a team that relies so much on Anthony Davis. Lakers will have a much better salary cap situation. They will have young talent with an experienced player who's enthused to play there, who's already a champion in Kyrie Irving. And you have your three levels of the game. You have your wing, your point guard, and your and your low post player in Evan Mobley who can shoot inside and outside, who is the next coming of Anthony Davis if he's cultivated properly. He has the same skills and the same body type. Okay? So that's, that's my rebuild scenario. That's my rebuild scenario. You guys can go ahead and take that as you will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're far too kind. And that's how you take care of that. When you look at right now the standings, we were talking about the Lakers just a moment ago. Um, you have the Lakers now in 13th place. They only one game winning streak, 64 of the last 10. Horrible on the road, 9 and 14, 11 and 10 at home, 500 team at home. 
that's who they are. They're not that good. The Suns, huge losing streak. They lost like, I don't know, uh, three out of the last 12, one out of the last 10 on a three-game losing streak as we speak, just right above the Lakers in 12th place. That team is disintegrating. I don't know what they can do to salvage it. The Thunder keep moving up. We just spoke about them. You get you get, let them get Russell next year on a free agent market, free agent market for 20 million. You may have something there. It could be good. They, they saw what the Pelicans and the Kings did. Right now, the Pelicans are in the third spot. Kings are in the fourth spot. Pelicans have been losing lately because Zion went down. Brandon Ingram's going to be coming back soon. They say maybe this week. Ingram back. We'll see what happens there. Nuggets still number one, tied with Memphis Grizzlies, both with 30 and 13 record. Memphis on a 10-game winning streak right now. God dang. Nuggets are on a six-game winning streak. These guys are hot, and they're both 19 and three at home, 11 and 10 on the road. That's crazy. They have the exact same records on home and on the road. That's insane. The difference is here. Grizzlies have played more conference games so far. Nuggets have been doing their damage in the East most of the time. So that's interesting. Or not even in the East, against the East. So the Grizzlies right now are 15 and 10 in the conference. 25 games. I'm sorry, the Nuggets have played more games in the conference. 22 and 9. That's 31 games. So six more games in conference. That pleads better for the Grizzlies. Um, playing all those conference games and going 22 and 9. Um, Looking at the rest, the Mavericks lost two straight, five and five last ten, but they got that fifth spot pretty clean. Um, they only a game up on the Clippers, who have won their won three of the last ten games. All right, the Warriors still creeping up, doing a little bit better, shoring up their road wins. There are 500 as we speak. The Jazz are in eighth, Timberwolves in ninth, Trailblazers in that final playing spot in 10th. They only have a half game lead on the Thunder. The Thunder are creeping in there, people. Imagine they had Chet Holmgren. Imagine they have Russ next season. They're going to be good. Because Shea Gilgis Alexander will most likely be an uh, all-star this season. We have to wait and see. So, that's how it's looking right now. Lakers barely squeaked out a win versus the 10-win Rockets team on an 11-game losing streak after last night. Crazy. In the Eastern Conference, Celtics still number one with four and a half games above the Nets and Bucks and five over the 76ers. That's crazy. The Knicks are separating them. The Celtics are separating themselves as being the title favorites. If they go against Denver, they are winning. Just saying. I have a feeling whoever comes out the East is winning, rather it's Celtics, Nets, or Bucks. I spoke about this last week. If you didn't listen last week, I'm going to say it again. The Bucks got to shake it up. And the funny thing is, I think I, I think I heard Will Bond or Stephen A. or both of them say they have to change something. I said it weeks before that. I'm watching the team. Maybe if you can find a way to keep Bobby Porters and get Kuzma, all power to you. But I'm looking at it right now. You got to have Kuzma as your starting four. You have to have it. Or your starting three. You could put Kuzma in there with Giannis. You can have him as your small ball lineup as your four and Giannis as your five. And you can start him as your, you can start uh, Kuzma as your three, which would be phenomenal because now you're starting five. You have Kuzma, who is six foot eight, six foot nine. Actually, I think he's six foot nine, six foot ten, but six foot nine is respectively. Giannis, who is six ten. And then you have Brooke Lopez, who is seven foot one. That wingspan is ridiculous. That reminds me of the Lakers back when they had the Powell and Kobe Lakers. You have Powell. Bynum and Odom out there in your closing lineup. My good Lord, have mercy. I'm saying and those are championship teams. That's the only way to me that the Bucks are going to be able to figure it out. They got to do something. I say Kuzma because he is not, he's opting out. 
of his last year with the Wizards. I'm telling you what I know. So instead of losing him for nothing, they could go ahead and get some good pieces. They could get some picks. The Bucks don't need them picks. They'll get give up some picks, give up Bobby Portis, give up a, well, whoever. Bobby Portis has a big contract. Maybe they don't want that. But they'll take some picks and some players. I'm telling you, the Bucks got to get a Kuzma-like player. I say Kuzma because Kuzma is a great third piece on a championship-winning team. No Middleton right now. So you imagine this lineup. You have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Kyle Kuzma, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. You tell me that's not a championship team? That's a dominant team, a very good defensive team, because Drew Holiday is six foot four. Chris Middleton is six foot seven. Kyle Kuzma is six foot nine. Giannis, six ten. Brooke Lopez, seven foot one. They'll be the longest starting five in the league, the best defensively by far, and they all can shoot. Except for Giannis, of course. Come on, man. Giannis driving down, you gotta have five wide. Four wide. Giannis coming down with four wide. Who wants it? You can't protect the paint because all those dudes can hit the open three. So that's the move you gotta make. Bobby Portis can make it too, but he's not good enough all around. He's just not. So 76 is four, Cavs fifth. Like I said before, Cavs can shake it up next year. Because right now you can't, I can't see them being in the top four conversation. Even though they're tied with the 76ers, once Tyrese Maxey gets his form back and 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 everybody's healthy, I feel like the 76ers are the fourth best team in the East. The Knicks, yeah, sixth. Heat seventh. They might take the Knicks spot, no higher than that. Um, Pacers eighth, Hawks ninth, Bulls tenth. Like I said before, these are the teams looking to make some moves. I see the Bulls trying to get uh, AD next season. I see the Cavs trying to get LeBron. I'm, I'm just telling what I feel. Raptors also too. They're they're gonna they're a fire sell team right now. That might be a team Lakers might try to tap into as well, getting some more young, young wealth. So if you, if anything, if you want to trade Russ, that's where you trade him. A team with a lot of good assets, get OG Ananobi or something like that. But I heard he's untouchable. They say Pascal Siakam is someone they might consider moving. Of course, you want to get rid of Van Vliet, but nobody wants that contract for a miniature guard who, mm, I mean, the Knicks would. You see what they did with Brunson, so. But anybody else, I don't know. I don't know. Wizards, like I said, going to try to shake it up. They're going to fire sell that too. Don't know what the future is for Bradley Bill. Magic's Pistons, Hornets. The Hornets are right now the worst team in the East. Second worst team in the league. It's shocking to me with a LaMelo Ball team. So I don't know what they're going to do with that young boy who's been out for a long time. We had those allegations going up against him. Don't know what they're going to do with all of that. Um, I wanted to go over the... Um, the all-star voting so far real quick lebron leads all voting with 48 um, almost 5 million then um Jokic in the west anthony davis right there zion andrew wiggins paul george and then laurie marketing top seven Kawhi, the fact that he's 10 people were talking about him at one point being uh MVP candidate. He's never been an MVP candidate. How could he ever be the greatest in the league? He's never been an MVP candidate. Never a top all-star point getter. So it means the, the 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 league is not even considering him. Then the guards. Steph Curry leading all votes. Luka Doncic, John Morant. Wow. Just, he's in a small market, people. John Morant with, with half of Luka and, and less than half of Steph is crazy. Uh, Shea Gilgis right there. Fourth and Klay Thompson in there. Russ still in the, in the mix of it too. Top six. In the East, Kevin Durant leading all vote getters from vote receivers, but narrowly over Giannis. So that's interesting. Jason Tatum picked up speed. 
overtaking Joel Embiid by smallest of margin. So Jimmy Butler rounds it off in the top five. Look at that. Kyle Kuzma made the top seven. It's called Keep Those Votes Getting for Kyle Kuzma. Paolo Benchera as a rookie is in there. It's amazing as well. And the guards, Kyrie Irving leading all guards. I'm telling you. All that. But up until all the anti-Semitism and all the junk. Okay. Yeah, he has no shoe deal. He's the hottest free agent in the shoe market right now. Put his button in, in L.A. He know what he's doing. He'll come here for less money for one year. Make all the money back in endorsements and ads and everything like that. And get back in the movies again. Uncle Drew coming back to you. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, second right there. And that's funny. You don't see Darius Garland in there at all. Garland made his first All-Star last year. Donovan Mitchell took all that shine away. So they're going in the wrong direction. You wanted to add to your All-Star, not swap it out. And you don't have anything with your bigs. I don't see Evan Moby's name in here at all. And last year, Jared Allen made it. He's not on the list at all. At all. He's not even in the top 10. Nick Claxon's in there over him. Paolo Benchero's in there over him. It's crazy. They're going in the wrong direction. James Harden, third. Jalen Brown, even though he's injured, is fourth. Trey Young might overtake Jalen Brown because he's right there. So those are your all-star getters. Keep, remember to keep voting for your all-stars. Um, One quick thing before we get out of here. Unfortunately, we heard the news. Um, I kind of knew this for some time that Maya Moore will be retiring from the NBA. She has been gone since 2019 after she got her husband um, irons out of prison because he was wrongfully convicted. Um, just want to rehash her career really quick. Um, where do we start? Maya Moore, she played four for the UConn women's basketball team and won back-to-back -back national championships in 2009 and 2010. She was selected as the John Wooden Award winner in 2009 after leading Connecticut to its undefeated national championship. The following season, Moore led Connecticut to its second straight national championship and continued its overall undefeated streak at 78. In 2010-2011, she led the Huskies in extending that streak to an NCAA um, both gender record, all divisions of 90. That's the record. That's beating the Wooden led UCLA dominant time in the 70s. He was killing it. They beat that. That's who Maya Moore did. That season, Moore became the first female basketball player to sign with Air Jordan. After the 2017 season, her win-loss record in the U.S. since high school was 49, 497, and 78. Maya Moore was the first overall pick in 2011 NBA draft and joined the Minnesota Lynx. Maya Moore won four WNBA championships. She was a WNBA Most Valuable Player in 2014, and she won WNBA Finals MVP in 2013. She has three WNBA All-Star Game MVPs, two Olympic gold medals, uh, NBA scoring tire in 2014, and the WNBA Rookie of the Year. She also been selected to the WNBA All-Star teams and three All-WNBA teams. The relative timing of the seasons of the WNBA and the top leagues in other countries has allowed more to compete throughout the year. In 2012, she won both the Spanish League title and the Euro League title, playing for Ross Caceres Valencia from 2013 to 2015. Moore also won the Chinese League title every year. Moore won a second Euro League title playing for UMMC Ekaterinburg in 2018. That was her last season when she focused on dedicating that time to getting her now husband released from prison and having some children along the way. Moore is one of 11 women to receive an Olympic gold medal and NCAA championship, a FIBA World Cup, 
gold and a WNBA championship. This woman right here has got to be the GOAT, at least in the WNBA. She played for seven years, I believe eight seasons, and won four championships. Half her time in her career in the WNBA, she won championships. I remember because she, when you say someone's a GOAT, it's like when, who did, Jordan, who did he stop? He stopped Barkley from ever winning. He stopped Carl Car Malone from ever winning. And when he left, he allowed Olajuwon to get two. Then he came back and was over again. It was the, the person who stopped Candace Parker, who should be the GOAT, because she's that great at every level. Moore just did more. She won four. I think Candace Parker won two. And Candace Parker kept getting beat by Maya Moore. They kept going against him in, in the West. And it was Maya Moore who stood in her way every time. When she left, I was so happy. All these different awards. This woman right here was phenomenal. She was the GOAT. She was the GOAT in her period of time. If you base off time, she was the GOAT. All right, you know what time it is. It's time for our NBA Top Picks. It's our NBA Top Picks for this week of January 17th. Let's get it. So tonight, Portland versus Denver. Portland versus Denver. I got Denver winning that game at home. Oh, you know what? We got to back it up. We got to back it up. We got to back it up real quick. Last week, Top Picks. That's January the 10th week. Last week, I had go to State beating Phoenix. I was wrong. Dallas. I had Dallas beating the Clippers last week on the road, and I was wrong again on Wednesday. New Orleans versus Boston. I got Boston beating New Orleans, and I was right. Milwaukee versus Atlanta, and I was right. Phoenix versus Denver, and I was right again. Hot on Wednesday. Thursday, I had Brooklyn beating Boston at home. I was wrong. Milwaukee versus Miami at home. I had Miami winning, and I was right. Uh, Dallas versus the Lakers. I had the Lakers winning. They should have won double overtime, and they lost. I was wrong. Next Friday, New York Knicks versus Washington. I picked the Knicks, and I was right. Phoenix, I chose Phoenix over Minnesota, and I was wrong. I chose Denver over the Clippers, and I was right. On Saturday, I chose Milwaukee over Miami, and I was wrong. I chose Cleveland over Minnesota. I was wrong again. Damn it. Philly versus Utah, I chose Utah at home, and I was still wrong. They won again by one point. Come on, Philly. You're killing me. On Sunday, Philly versus the Lakers, and I was wrong again. Philly again went by one point. Damn it. You're killing me. Go to State Warriors versus Chicago. I posed Chicago, and I was right. I had the Mavericks versus Portland. I chose Portland, but I backtracked and went on the Mavericks. I should have stuck so with Portland because Portland beat down the Mavericks on Sunday. Monday, last night, Phoenix versus Memphis. I chose Phoenix, and I was wrong again. Toronto versus the Knicks. I chose the Knicks, and I was wrong again. Finally, New Orleans versus Cleveland, and I chose Cleveland, and I was right. Final record for last week, I had eight right and 12 wrong. Moving on to this week. I got Portland versus Denver. I got Denver at home. Um, Philly versus the Clippers. I got the Clippers at home. Wednesday, tomorrow night, Atlanta versus Mavs on the road. I have Atlanta winning. I think they're soaring high in the right direction. As Clint Capella has come back, and he's back to do his business. I got Miami beating New Orleans at, on the road. I got Cleveland losing to Memphis at home. Sacramento versus the Kings. Sacramento Kings versus the Lakers. Lakers home stand. I got the Lakers winning that game. I don't know why. I'm just saying it is. Thursday, go to State versus Boston. I got Boston winning that game at home. Brooklyn versus Phoenix. I got Brooklyn winning on the road. Philly versus Portland. I got Portland beating Philly. Philly's been kind of wobbly. They got a shaky. Friday, Minnesota. Miami, I'm sorry. Miami versus Dallas. I got Dallas winning at home. 
Knicks versus Atlanta. That's a that's a big old heated matchup between those two cities. I got Atlanta winning at home. Next, go to State versus Cleveland. Go to State's not good on the road. I got Cleveland winning at home. Memphis versus the Clippers. I'm sorry, Memphis versus the Lakers. I got Memphis beating down the Lakers at home on Friday night. Saturday, Milwaukee versus Cleveland. I got Cleveland winning at home. Philly versus Sacramento. I had Sacramento winning at home. Now, Sunday, Sunday, New Orleans Pelicans versus Miami Heat. I got New Orleans winning on the road. Memphis versus Phoenix at home. I got Phoenix resurging themselves against the top seed of Memphis Grizzlies. Brooklyn versus Golden State. Golden State's great at home. I got Golden State beating Brooklyn at home. Next, the Lakers versus Portland. In Portland, I got the Lakers losing that one. Portland winning that game. Finally, Monday, Atlanta versus Chicago. I got Chicago winning at home. Charlotte versus Utah. I got Charlotte winning on the road in Utah. Yes, I do, people. Memphis versus Sacramento. I got Sacramento playing high, beating Memphis at home. That is my NBA top picks. It's my NBA top picks this week. Let's see how we do next week. You've been listening to The Time Is Now. We do not have the rights to this music. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. We go. Gonna- 
demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. One hundred years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream. That one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi a state sweltering with the heat of injustice sweltering with the heat of oppression be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. Dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in 
will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. And every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children. Be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when it happens. When we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at Another week, another soapbox. Don't worry, I won't be long. I won't keep you. Just thinking about that dream that Dr. King had way back down there um, in the 60s and knowing that was the civil rights movement at the time and the things he was saying, talking about the racism and all the way out in the deep south and even some of the, the white moderates in the west and even in the north. And it's crazy how a lot of that has really hasn't changed. Uh, I remember during the pandemic, you still had people hanging from trees. You saw the ugly belly of, the, of this nation come back to light uh, when Donald Trump was in office. He went back to show you that hate is taught. But when would it ever be stamped out? You still have um, different families or different cultures who will dis 
not dishonor, but go ahead, disassociate themselves with someone in the family who married the opposite uh, or, or the other race. If I, I heard a story the other day of, of a white man who killed himself because his white daughter married a black man. What world are we in? How much progress has we have we made? We understand how things are, how difficult it is for people um, and minorities of really people of color to even purchase property to go ahead and, and extend some of that um, generational wealth, making it harder for them to just achieve based on just the color of their skin because they feel as if it's a higher risk to give it to a black person because they're probably not going to pay the bill because they're probably going to damage the house and bring down the property value. You still have the situations where um, you, you want to say gentrification, but once a black person moves into the neighborhood, what do they do? They move away and somehow the property value does drop. And then those houses become cheaper and more affordable. So you have people of lower income moving in there. And when you have lower income, you have more crimes. When you have more crimes and there you go, the rest of people are disaster. Why can't we all just live harmonious together? It, it can be separated by class. You can have upper class black people living with upper class white people. Why can that not exist? Why all of a sudden, when you feel like a black person moves next door to you, then all of a sudden you have to then move to where you can find more people who look like you. And I hear people say it in the other direction. We don't have any black communities. Black people wish they could move next door to each other. It just doesn't happen as much. But all that is just different segregation. A lot of people will say that the integration of the different races and, and, and the, the schools and whatnot has actually brought the degradation of the culture. They said back in the days when things were segregated, we had more of a community. When we have a community, things can be strong. We can actually have power. We can have um, um, voting power. We can actually build up our own people in government. We have uh, a system that will work for us. I think if America was a melting pot and you did have different segregations, when you had a whole Asian community, which you already have, when you have all Jewish communities, which you already have, when you already have white communities, which you already have, and now you have a Latino communities. And with all that, they have more power because they are together. There's nothing wrong with being in the same nation. There's nothing wrong with all of us speaking a base language of English. We can speak all speak English, but we all can learn each other's languages and make it a, a part of the, the curriculum in school. Why can't we learn different Asian dialects? Why can't we learn different? Uh, why can't we just make sure it's mandatory to learn Spanish, especially nowadays? Damn it, why can't we learn Ebonics? These are things that have to be understood and taught in America. Why can't we learn economics on a higher scale? Just learning basically how to budget a checkbook. The people still write checks today. But these are the things that happens because this nation doesn't truly want that. They want to keep us in a situation where we hate each other. They want us to keep having a situation where we don't understand money. They want us to be in a situation where we're going to stay divided against each other and not pay attention to the top and those who are making all the decisions. Because it runs off of that. The fuel of this nation has always been about getting over. That is capitalism. That is it at its greatest. The greatest thing, the greatest fallacy, what, what the American dream is, is that believing that this is a great nation of land of equality and opportunity. That's what it feeds on. They brainwash their, their people to believe that this is the greatest nation on earth. I heard Charles Barkley say it just the other day, the greatest nation. They all We all echo it. But if anyone does the research, if anybody learns to use their passport and travel, if anyone takes the time to go around the world and see, you will know that we're mediocre at best. And because the foundation, the basis of this nation is racism, because the foundation, the basis of this nation was to kill off the people here so they could go ahead and acquire the land, because the foundation, the basis of this nation is slavery, free labor, and it continues today. So will Dr. King's dream ever come to fruition in this nation? I don't know. It's too young. It's a baby. 
not until they acknowledge the past and know not to repeat it not until they find a better way to get over not until they find a better way to become prosperous last time i checked it still ain't working because i last time i checked we owe china billions and trillions of dollars this way is not working baseline and hate doesn't work the biggest power in the world on this universe is love and when you operate out of love all things will fall into place i'm not saying become communist i'm not saying become anything like that I'm not saying being a socialist or anything of the above all i'm simply saying is be fair do what's right and see how things will just iron itself out until next time That's it, guys. Another great week. Another great show. All right, all right, all right. Um, the music choice this week was Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley. All these years, all these seasons we've been on, this is the first time I believe we had Bob Marley on here. Um, remember, if you like the show, like it. And, of course, of course, share. And, of course, of course, subscribe. Now it's time for our final word. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezazel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones to work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oholib, son of Ashmach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Exodus 35, 30 through 35. Remember, spread love, share love, embrace love. God is love. Until next time, peace.